If you have your Bibles, please go ahead and get these Bibles out. Turn them on. Uh, we're going to continue in um, our teaching, study, uh, revelation. Uh, I don't know. We're he- we're headed somewhere. And just so you know, for those for the, for, the, for those of you who are like, what in the world does he have that chair up here for? It's a prop. And, uh, but, uh, it's an illustration is what it is. And it makes, I think it's, for me, it's really effective if I can see something. And we're talking about, we've been in Revelation chapter four. We're going to go back there today. Let me tell you what the, um, you know, I was telling uh, first service, this is not, this is not a message where you've got a, you know, a subject, three points, and then a closure today. This is not what this is. Uh, this is a continuation and uh, we're headed somewhere. What this is right here is this represents the throne um, in Revelation 4. We're going to read that. Revelation, I love Revelation, and I hate Revelation because I don't understand all the symbols. And, you know, it kind of gets a little gory. And, uh, you know, I don't understand, you know, the beast with the seven legs and the ten horns and the, you know, eating the whatever, the other beast that, you know, then he vomits out the woman and you know, I'm just like, what in the world? And as crazy as that is, um, we're going to look at this in just a second. It's the only book in the Bible where there is an implicit blessing that is ascribed to it, which means if you read it and if I read it, there's a blessing that's on that. We're going to look at that in just a minute. And, uh, and so this is not one of those messages. So I'm not, this is all of the apologetics I'm going to give. This, I'm not apologizing here. I, I'm just trying to set the, I realize we got several people here that this might be your first time here. It's like, what on earth is he talking about? Well, I'm not talking about anything on earth. So, and because I'm not talking about anything on earth, it's a little, my vocabulary is really limited, you know? And uh, so anyway, so Father, we, ah, we thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, that there's no coincidence that you're here. There's no coincidence that before time you had ordained this day that you would be in this seat hearing this message. And, and Lord, we just thank you. Lord, I ask Lord, that you would give us ears to hear, give us hearts to receive, uh, help us to hear what the spirit is saying to us, your church, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Revelation chapter four, it's really important uh, that you follow along with me um, just because I'm gonna put the, I'll, I will post the scriptures on the screen, but there's something about seeing it on your Bible, tablet, whatever it is, phone. There's something about whatever you're most familiar with in reading, it's really important that you see that. And so it just it does something for us. So Revelation chapter one, I said four, but I'm gonna start with verse one in Revelation. And just so we can get a context. And again, my objective, my objective is not to get through this message because this message, again, it's gonna continue. My objective is for all of us to have a, to have a living experience with the risen Lord and the Holy Spirit. That, that is my, so again, what, what, Jeff, what do you mean by that? Um, I was born in the church, grew up in the church, did the church, got bored with the church. And, uh, 
that's nothing about the against the church that that I was a part of. I just there there was I, I'd kind of done it all and and I was bored. There was no living experience. the The kingdom of God is meant to be experienced. The love of God is meant to be experienced. It's not something that we get right on a true or false test. The kingdom was never meant to be a true or false test. And what I'm talking about is that we are so, in our culture, we are so used to hearing something and filing it away as information. We file the information away and it's good information. I'm not negating the the information. But the information left by itself has no transformation power. Information apart from revelation, not talking about the book. Information apart from a spiritual revelation leaves, leaves no room for transformation. It's just, it's just stored as information. And I, when I say that I did the church... I did the church, memorized, memorized verses, memorized scripture. I went to a, a private a Christian school, a Christian college, a Christian church, did it all. And I could not tell you why the angels were bursting with joy when Jesus's birth was announced. That's the experience. I knew where he was, where he came from, and the lineage. I knew everything, but I did not know. I did not. I'd never experienced. Why are they so happy? I don't understand that. Has nothing to do with them. Why are they, why are they so happy? And that's what I'm talking about. So, <clears throat> Revelation. Revelation 1 says this, just so we're all on the same page. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his bondservants the things which soon must take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant, John. So the average person needs to hear something 7.9 times before they retain it. Okay? So this, this is the fight I have going on in my head right now. I've, to, I've said this before. You don't want to be repetitive because, or redundant because you'll be boring. And yet, we've got this other truth that if we don't hear something 7.9 times, we won't retain it. So, some of you have been with us through this past two or three weeks, and you're like, oh, seriously? We're going we're gonna to read this one again? Yes, we are. The very purpose, again, that we are reading this is this verse sets the context for the rest of the book. This verse is saying, hey, what you are about to read was actually a gift from God that God gave to his son, Jesus, and he gave, and once Jesus got that gift of the revelation of, 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 the, of what we're going to talk about, once he got that gift, he was like, I need a way to, how do I communicate it to John? And he calls over an angel and he gives this gift of this revelation about Jesus Christ of himself to John, and the angel communicated that to John. He didn't communicate necessarily by words. He communicated it by a vision. That angel picked up John, so to speak, by the nap of the head and brought him into a different realm. And in that different realm, John began to experience, have a living experience of the things that are actually happening in heaven right now. John was brought into this. And so, so this whole 
things, not someone sitting there with a pencil trying to write, you know, trying to remember what Jesus said. No, he actually was in it. He was in it. And this is what this verse said. The way he got in it is that God had to send it, gave it as a gift to Jesus. Jesus had to, had to uh, give it to his angel so that his angel could communicate this vision. It was too much for just words. He is, it was a whole vision. So, boom, there's that. Verse 3 Blessed is he who reads and who hears the words of this prophecy and keeps the things which are written in it for the time is near. Again, it's the blessing. There's a blessing on you hearing. There's a blessing on me speaking. We're all under an umbrella right now of blessing. Why? That's what it says. So, okay. Revelation chapter four, verse one. So I am meticulously going to go over this because I can't move forward until we're all on the same page. You know how I know you're on the same page? Your eyes are open. You're smiling. No, I'm not kidding. That's manipulation. I can't do that. <clears throat> I'll just know. Anyway, so here we go. John says, after these things, now let's stop right there because John what is he talking about? Because we've just picked up in chapter th- four and we missed chapter one, two, and three. One, two, and three talks about, John says, I was on the island of Patmos and I was there because I was preaching the word of God. And so they put him in prison, so to speak. And while I was there, I was worshiping in the spirit. And all of a sudden I hear this voice behind me saying, write down the things that you're about to see. And he turns around and he sees his best friend, Jesus that he walked with for three years, except he looks nothing like the Jesus that he knew on earth. And Jesus is walking amongst the lampstands and he's got seven stars in one hand and like a sword coming out of his mouth. It's like, what, what is happening? And so John has this encounter with Jesus where Jesus instructs him, I want you to give these seven churches, these seven messages So he does that, and at the end of it, he says, and in verse in chapter four, after these things, after the things that I were so basically, he was on an island, he got taken into some sort of a spiritual realm where he's having an an encounter with the risen Jesus, and he's saying, after these things, I looked and behold a door standing open, and it's like whoa. I thought that was the end of the roller coaster ride, but no, we're about to go up another hill. And uh, the first voice I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me saying, come up here, I will show you things which must take place. So he's, he's in the natural, he's been taken into the spirit, and now he's about to go to another level in the spirit. And it says, immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne. It's like, whoa, whoa, a door, whoa, a throne. And so he is, he is, he's having these encounters, but each encounter is taking him deeper into this revelatory realm, which Jesus has actually be given, been given permission by his father to give to John. And so that's how all this is happening. And he said, there's a throne and one who is seated on a throne. Now we've been talking about this throne and I don't want to belabor it here just for the sake, I'm, I'm trying to get somewhere, but for the sake of continuity and for the sake that we are all on the same page, this is not just a chair. This is the epicenter of everything that's been created. The throne. This, this, is, this, is, this is where the English language, uh, we, we, I, we, I feel really, I feel like a, you know, a second grader. Like, ah, I'm trying to describe, you know, it kind of looks like a man and kind of like a horse and kind of I mean, like an ox and kind of like a... So, 
one seated on the throne. This throne that, that we had looked at, I just skipped over several verses. There are several verses that actually build one on the other. This throne is the epicenter of all dominion, all rule, and all power. Again, we're, we're, these are all headline statements. Because once you get into, what do you mean by all rule or all power? Well, from this throne emanates everything that you and I, our, our entire world. The person beside you, the person in front of you, the, the trees, your yard, your, your place of birth. They were all determined by the one who sits here. There's a reason why you're not living in the year 1569. There's a reason that you're, why you're not living in 1569 in Scandinavia. Because the one who sits here has predetermined when you would be born. At this throne, what we have just bypassed is, is there is a... There's this one, he's sitting there and he looks like diamonds and he rubies and he's flashing. And the diamonds and diamonds and the rubies, the, this one, John keeps going and the one is sitting on the throne and then around the throne is this emerald halo or this emerald rainbow. And the rainbow is symbolic because the rainbow only has one color. The rainbow is symbolic in God's eyes because in his eyes, the rainbow means a covenant of yeah, mercy, peace. He, he's at peace with the world. When, 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 when he flooded the earth, he told Noah, I will never again flood the earth. And just so you'll know that I'm keeping my word, I'm gonna put a rainbow out up in the sky. This rainbow has one color and the color green represents mercy and grace. So John is riveted to this one who's sparkling, sitting here on this throne, and there's all sorts of stuff happening underneath the throne, but we'll just, we'll get there in a minute. And then over the throne is this halo or this rainbow of emerald green, as if to say God is seated here as the all-knowing, all all-omnipotent, um, omniscient one, and over this throne, he has... He has set in place that everything that he does that comes out of this throne passes through grace and mercy before it hits the target. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, whoa, who is this? Who are you? I don't know anyone like that. So there are seven blazing torches in the front. There's an ocean or a sea in front. And by the way, out from underneath it, pulsating is lightning and thunderings and voices. So there's a whole lot of stuff happening around this. And this, this chair, this throne is the seat. It's the epicenter of all, every, all government of everything that we know. All of the kings in the earth report to or are governed by the one who sits on this throne. It talks about in Revelation 1, Jesus, who is the first to rise from the dead, and he's the ruler of all the kings of the nations. Everything is coming from here. This, this is, you know, in a way, I'm, I'm kind of just, I'm, I'm, I feel helpless that I'm trying to describe this thing that's eternal. So, there are four living creatures, 
And the creatures look weird. One's like a, an ox, and one's like a man, and one's like a lion, and one's like a, an eagle, and they have eyes in the front and in the back, and I don't, you know, which that is symbolic of they can see into the future and they can see all the way into the past. Nothing escapes their gaze. But they are circling the throne and they are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. And the, if we're not careful, we can kind of think, oh, well, the reason they do that is because make God made them to do that. Yes, but our definition of God making someone do that means that he's actually programmed them and they're on autopilot and that's all they do. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. And it's like, well, you know what? Because the, you know, heaven has no batteries. It's going to run forever. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is every living thing that God has created that, that worships him chooses to worship him. All worship is voluntary worship. So that means that these creatures are voluntarily getting a glimpse of the one who sits on the throne. They come up, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. They go back down. They look again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Why? Because that is all they can, con they can contain. That's all they can respond to the depth of what they're getting here. It's, the, it's like us saying, how's God? Oh, well, he's great. He's amazing. He's, he's awesome. Like th those, th those words can't contain the greatness of who he is. But because of our limited, finite we, uh, structure and, and, and container, we can't really, it's hard for us to respond. Same thing, but they are responding. Whatever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, I didn't talk about them, there's 24 elders around him who, sit, uh, uh, who worship him who live forever and ever, and they cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Can I just tell you, you were not an accident. There is no such thing. For you to be an accident means that somehow you escaped this one right here. And it didn't happen. This, this one that sits right here, he is the birthplace of everything created. Yes. Nothing escapes, nothing that escapes, nothing is initiated until he says go. So there is no such thing as an accident. You are not an accident. You were absolutely planned on purpose for the day that you were born by this one who makes no mistakes. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. We talked about this. So this has to do with the government. His government, this is a huge, I think each one of these would probably like, be like a couple, maybe two or three or four chapters in a book. But the, the government, we've got to get this, the government is righteousness and justice. What does that mean? The ones who deserve punishment, it comes from 
this throne. The ones who deserve mercy comes from this throne. He is constantly evening and balancing out the, the scales of life, of your life, of my life, of nations. Kings are set in and kings are removed by the decision of this one here. It says in scripture, he can turn the hearts of a king like channels of water in his hand. Are you guys hot? Okay. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. I'm just... Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. So we also talked about around this throne, um, amongst the things that are, all the, all the activity that's happening, the lightning, the thundering, the, the, the four living creatures, all this, there is another player at this throne, and it's actually Satan, the accuser. And in the book of Job, we can see it plain, in book of Job uh, chapter one, it says that, um, that God called the, the, the son's the sons of God to himself, basically, to give an account for their, all of their um, management, whatever, of the universe. And Satan shows up. And Satan's job is to accuse. His, his number one, that's what he's called, the accuser. Well, here's another instance where, where in heaven, around this throne, where Satan is actually accusing Joshua. I know it says Jeshua, but that's the, that's the New Living Translations version. Or translation, it's Joshua. Then the angel showed me Joshua, the high priest, or Jeshua, standing before the angel of the Lord. The accuser Satan was there at the angel's right hand. So if you get this picture, here is the, let's just say the throne. Here is Joshua, and here to his right is Satan, the accuser, ready to accuse. That's his job says that uh, uh, when, he, when, when Job, in the book of Job, he said, uh, he, the Lord asked Satan, where have you been? He said, I've been patrolling the earth. And it's like, why? To make sure that he is doing his job, which is upholding the righteousness and justice of his kingdom. He is enforcing and making sure that every guilty person gets what is coming to them. Okay? Satan, the accuser, was there at the angel's right hand. There was another person. I think I've got this backwards. There's another person. He's over there. We have an advocate called Jesus. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord reject your accusation, says the Lord, who has chosen Jerusalem, re rebukes you. The man is like a burning stick that's been snatched from the fire. Sorry, I'm trying to hurry. My little children, I write these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous. So there's an accuser, there's an advocate, and here's the scene. This is Revelation 4. Oh, here's the other one. So the Lord told Simon, the Lord told, Pete, told Peter, Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you the place that he has asked for, for Peter was around here. So you hear the accuser going, let me have him. I deserve him. He, he's, 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 he's guilty. 
by your law that you set into place, he deserves this. And Jesus says, but I have prayed for you. There's the advocate contending, the advocate. Because I just tell you, you have an advocate. You have an advocate that is praying for you like you would not believe. So, okay, here we go. Now we can start the car. So we just finished Revelation 4. We're going into Revelation 5 now. Revelation 5. Then I saw, John says, what he's saying is, is this vision continued to unpack again. So I just went through the door, just went up to here, just saw, saw Jesus, and now it's unpacking again. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with the seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals on the scroll and open it? When it says a strong angel, it's not just talking about his muscles. It's talking about the power of his voice. The power of his voice was meant to be heard by every living creature. Who is worthy to come and open this scroll? Let him show up. But no one in heaven, on earth, or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then John says, I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said, stop weeping. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir of David's throne has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and to read its seven seals. When he says that... um, or when John begins to weep, the question we want to ask is why? Is it because he's not going to get to see what was in the scroll? Is he crying because there's not enough faith? Is he crying because there's no one uh, worthy enough to do this? Like, why, why is he weeping? The reason that he is weeping is opening the scroll is not about reading the contents of it as much as it is executing what's inside. So he realized there is something that God Almighty is holding in his hand and there's nobody in in the created world that is worthy to open this to see what it is. Forget to see what it is because it's never read. But to take the scroll and to execute what's on the inside. In other words, there's only one worthy that can cause the prophecies that are written in this scroll to actually come true. What good is a prophecy if it never comes true? So there's only one worthy that can make what's in the heart of God, what's been spoken by God, actually come into existence. So he said, the lion, then I saw a lamb. So John hears about a lion. He turns to look for the lion and he sees a lamb as if it had been slaughtered. But it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns, seven eyes, which represents a sevenfold. Remember I told you it's like seven, seven. I don't understand any of this. However, the placement of what is happening here, all of a sudden a lamb appears. This placement, what this is saying here, this is the government of the universe and now somebody else has shown up in the government of the universe and it's the one that we call Jesus. Yes. Yes. 
He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down. Now it's shifted before the lamb. There's been a shift in heaven. Up until now, everything was focused on the throne and very well should be. And now something has happened when the lamb shows up, all of the focus is off of the throne and it's on the lamb. Each one had a harp, gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of, God, of God's people. So there is a major shift. There's a, this is a major emphasis that, that Jesus, with his revelation that he was given by God to, to communicate to John, that in heaven, there is a shift that is now happening from what you have seen, and now it begins the revelation of Jesus Christ. And they sang a new song. They were singing the other song. So the emphasis has shifted. The focus has shifted. It's now on the Lamb. They sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll, break its seals, and open it, for you were slaughtered. Your blood was ransomed for people from God, from every tribe and language nation. You know, that doesn't even rhyme. <laughs> and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. Yeah. Then I looked again, and here it is, another, another, <laughs> a, a deeper revelation. I looked again, and the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne of the living beings and the elders, and they sang a mighty chorus. Worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power, riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. Why am I reading this? Because most of us, we're familiar with the story, we, we, uh, but we don't know the author. Wow. This is the author. Let me tell you, do not get caught up in, this is, I do not understand this. Right now, some of you, your mind is going, oh, okay, I can't handle it anymore. Don't worry about that. I'm not speaking to your head. I'm communicating directly to your spirit. The Holy Spirit is speaking directly to your spirit. I don't have to worry about the results. I don't have to worry about uh, the response. All I, want is to, all I want to make sure is that the, that the enemy does not come and steal the seeds that are being planted in your heart right now. This is a revelation that we're looking at about Jesus. So hang in there. Your brain might be going, hey, you know what? We are out of here. <laughs> Hold on, because what is happening is being transferred into your spirit. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth. Remember also, there's a blessing. So you know what? Just stick around for the blessing. And they sang, blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped the lamb. Everything has shifted now in heaven, in the government of the universe. Everything has shifted from the throne. Now it's shifted to the lamb. This is the one that we're worshiping. This is the one that paid for you to be here. This is the one that paid for you to be in his kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. So <sighs> ah. Isaiah 53, 10, we're almost done. The Lord says, it was my plan to crush him. It's like, what? It was my plan to crush him and cause him to suffer. Like, 
what? That's absurd. Why? Why? It's my plan to crush him. Because the question I asked last week, how does God forgive sin? Is he just like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. No big deal. Yeah, I totally forgive you. I'm all compassionate. I'm all loving. I'm all, which he is. But he can't do that because he is bound by his own government and he has an accuser that's sitting, standing here, reminding him of his own law, which he came up with, which says every sin must be accounted for and punished. How is sin, how is sin, how does God forgive sin? Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. God here is saying, it was my plan to crush him. Why? Justice. The only way that I can uphold the justice of my kingdom and every sin be accounted for and punished is to pour out my wrath on my son. And the forgiveness, the shedding of his blood, of my, the wrath that caused the shedding of his blood actually satisfies my justice. He can't let sin go. God can't let it go. He's bound by his own law. He's bound by what, uh, of what he has implemented. He's bound by it. He has to, the, way that, the only way that he can account for it is there has to be bloodshed. And so the bloodshed to what, what made Matt, what, why Jesus' blood speaks so loud is that he was absolutely innocent and sinless. Everybody else up until Jesus and after Jesus, including today, was born with sin, except for him. He had no sin. He volunteered for this. And God said, it was my plan to crush him because of what he would accomplish, what that sacrifice would accomplish for the rest of the world. In John chapter one, um, Jesus meets Nathaniel. And Nathaniel, you know, heard about him from, you know, Nathaniel's walking up and Jesus says, ah, here's an Israelite in whom there is no guile. Nathaniel's like, how did you, how do you, how do you know that about me? He said, oh, I saw you uh, when Phil, before Philip called you under the fig tree. Nathaniel's like, oh, you saw me under the fig tree? You are the son of God. <laughs> and Jesus responds, I tell you the truth, because I, well, he said, because I said that, you, you think I'm the son of God? I tell you the truth, you will all see. Everyone say, all see. All see. Say it again. All, all see. see. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. 
that statement is a justice statement. Jesus is the only one that can connect heaven and earth. Can I just tell you, people say there's different ways to God. There's not. So Jeff, how can you say that? Justice. Muhammad, name them. Buddha, none of them satisfied the justice of God, but Jesus. There is no other way. There is no other way because of the justice. He stands at the right hand of God, interceding for you, for me. We have an advocate. We're gonna look at this. We're gonna look at, he, he, took the penalty that you and I should have taken. It was all done by substitution. We're gonna look at the power of the substitution and what is made available for every single one of us because of him. Has nothing to do with me, how good I am, how bad I am. It's all him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Shannon.